What if you were told that Down syndrome is not something to fear, but rather something to celebrate? In this inspiring episode of the Water Prairie Chronicles podcast, we welcome Jennifer Veronini Sanchez and her daughter Sophia Sanchez, who reminds the world that Down syndrome is not scary. This is part one of an interview where Jennifer and Sophia share their experiences with early intervention services, individualized education programs, and inclusive education. Jennifer also provides recommendations for new parents of children with Down syndrome and shares valuable resources for families. In the next episode, they will discuss how Sophia is breaking down stereotypes as an actress who will appear in the new Hunger Games movie coming out this fall and has other exciting projects. Get ready to be inspired and uplifted by this heartwarming interview. Welcome back to the Water Prairie Chronicles. We appreciate everyone being with us today and I have two very special guests with me that I have been looking forward to meeting myself and introducing you to for quite a while. We have Jennifer Veronini Sanchez. She's the wife of Hector Sanchez. She's the mother of four teenagers, I believe. Do you have anyone older than teen at this point? Nope. Nope, so nope. four teenagers. Four teenagers. She's a makeup lover, and um, she's a Down syndrome and adoption advocate. And the last part of her description is why I wanted to talk to her so much. With her today, we have her daughter, Sophia Sanchez. Sophia is a Ukrainian-American actress, a model, a voiceover artist, an influencer who is reminding the world that Down syndrome's not scary. And Sophia has done an awful lot in just a short time of her life. <laughs> and I'm very excited to, to introduce you to both of them. Jennifer and Sophia, welcome to Water Prairie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you. Is there anything you'd like to share about yourselves before we get into our interview? You want to say? Or do you want me to start? Oh, well, she covered me pretty well. Do you want to tell who you are? Okay. I'm Sophia Sanchez. I was adopted to her, and I was born in Ukraine. And when I came here to this immigrant family, I was given to my mom, and she adopted me from Ukraine. And I was, like, so honored. To be in this family in this new house, I was like, oh my goodness, my new life is finally here. <laughs> Your new life is finally here. <laughs> so, what she's talking about is yes, we adopted Sophia when she was just under two years old from an orphanage in Ukraine, and she completed our family. So, I have three um, biological boys, and we just didn't feel like our family was complete until we added this sweet girl to it. And um, yeah, it's been a wild, fun ride ever since. Excellent, excellent. Well, if you um, have been watching the, the podcast or listening to it, then our listeners will know that we've been playing a game this season called Two Truths and a Lie. And I've asked Jennifer and Sophia to prepare some facts about themselves to share with you. And um, so I'm gonna start with Jennifer. If you will share three facts about yourself with one of them not being true, then we're going to let our listeners go onto social media and see if they can guess which one is, tr which of the two are true and which one is the lie. So what would you like to share about yourself? Uh, let's see. I was a cheerleader in high school. Um, I have been on a game show and I have um, let's see, I have uh, flown on a helicopter with a famous person. Wow. Hmm. 
All right, I'm going to have to think about those a little bit. So, Sophia, would you like to <laughs> No, we, we aren't going to tell yet what the answer is on these. So, Sophia, would you like to share three things about yourself, one of them not being true, but the other being true, the other two? So something has to be a lie. This is a little confusing, but you say two things that are true about you and one that's a lie, but pretend like it's the truth. So I've been done TV shows and that's one fact. You've been on a TV show. It's another fact. Okay. I was doing a movie. She's been on a movie. And, and then two. I've gone to 18 cases. She's visited 13 countries. Okay. All right. So... So we have, you've been on a TV show, you've been on a movie, and you've been to 13 countries. All right. So if you're listening, it's your turn to go guess now, but come back and finish watching the interview as well. <laughs> and a week after we post this, we'll post the answers to that. So Jennifer, I have some questions that I'm going to ask you about parenting children with Down syndrome. First of all, you have more than one child with Down syndrome. Is that correct? Yes, I have two children with Down syndrome. So you are an expert on this topic for me in looking at the younger children. Yes, yes. I feel like I'm very well versed in raising children with Down syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> so did either of your children need special medical care when they were younger? Um, neither needed medical care in terms of like heart surgery or anything like that. We were really blessed with healthy um, hearts and um, bodies. Um, the only medical things we went through with both um, were multiple ear tube surgeries and obviously tonsils and adenoids out for to help with those chronic ear infections. But that's really all we've had in terms of medical issues. So we feel very blessed in that respect because it is very common to have medical situations in addition to the extra chromosome. Are the ear tubes very common? Very common. Yep. Very, very common. Um, heart conditions are common. Uh, gastrointestinal issues are kind of common. Um, I, oh, we do have, you know, Joaquin uses glasses, so vision issues. Um, he had a strabismus. I'm just remembering. He had a strabismus, which is the crossing of the eyes. And right. so we had um, surgery to correct that when he was young, and it was very successful. So he oh, used his glasses and, and was able to, to help straighten his eyes. So with early intervention services, I know with, with my children, one did need early intervention, the other did not. Um, with either of your children, did they require early intervention services before they were in preschool? Yes, both of my kids, we utilized early intervention the moment that we could. Um, so obviously Sophia, we adopted Sophia, so we weren't able to access that until she was close to two years old just because of the fact that we had adopted her at a later age. So she missed out on two years of early intervention. Joaquin, my son, obviously the moment we got his diagnosis, we were calling our regional center and getting those services started. Things that we did were music therapy, water therapy, um, physical therapy, speech therapy, which was oral motor in the beginning and then speech a little later on. We pretty much did anything and everything we could get our hands on um, and that was offered to us. We even did like social play therapy groups um, with babies in, you know, like those mommy and me type classes. Mm -hmm. So we loved it. It was wonderful. Early intervention was just a wonderful time in our lives. Your kids are a little bit younger than mine are. We had the um, the OT and the um, the play groups and things like that 
but music therapy was never an offer for us, and I wish it had been. I think it'd be a great a great addition to what what we had seen with the kids. Yeah, I feel like uh, music therapy, if I had to pick just one, it would probably be that one because it really covers everything um, right, with right. the medium of music, you know. So I really loved it. We were blessed to get that. When they were ready for preschool, then I'm assuming that they transitioned into a preschool or did you keep them home? What did you do during those years? We decided to do a blended program. So um, at three, we transitioned to the special um, special day class preschool program for two days a week um, for a couple of hours a day, as well as the opposite days we we were able to duly enroll them in a typical preschool with support. So they would get their therapies and the SDC preschool, you know, their speech, their OT, and like some real supported preschool programming. But then the other three days a week, they would be with their peers, their typical peers, in a classic preschool program with an aide on hand to help if needed. So we loved that as well. It was a perfect blend of the two. Yeah, now I ha- I've not talked to anyone who who did that. Um, my daughter was in a preschool that was a blended preschool that was 50-50. Half of the students needed special help and the other were typically developing peers. And so my son attended as a typical peer in that program and actually by default got the services that he needed because he wasn't identified yet as needing those services. But um, but they both were in a and that so they were three to five days a week, depending on, on their age at the time, because they were there from three to five. As they moved into elementary school, did they, um, did they, did they start out with an IEP right away? Um, or is it an IEP that they were on? We had been in an IEP since age three. So in California, where we're from, um, the IEP started the moment we entered the school district at age three, and that IEP followed us through now okay. as we enter high school. We're, we actually have an IEP tomorrow to transition to high school. So the moment we went into kindergarten, um, we had that IEP in place, and we fought for an inclusive education. Um, so we were able to successfully include them in general ed for the majority of the day would just pull out for speech, OT, and some specialized academic instruction. But they were in the gen ed classroom with us. Both of them were, we were able to get a one-to-one paraeducation nice. with them. So they had their own, each of them had their own, um, you know, one-to-one aid support. Right. Nice, nice. It's, um, you know, our parents are all over the country that are listening. So each state will be different in what they can have. But I think it helps a lot to hear what other parents have had success in having or even to know what to ask for whenever you get to that that step in your child's education. So I appreciate you sharing that. Absolutely. We are, yeah, we're big on sharing all the, you know, the law and what, what the least restrictive environment is. And many schools will say having an aid is more restrictive than not, and it's actually not the case. The actual environment they're in is the, um, is the environment, not supports and services that are given to them. So it's good to remember that if your child needs that, it's not necessarily more restrictive. I am still a novice when it comes to Down syndrome. I'm, I've had different connections through the years. I had the opportunity to, to have an interview last week and find out some basics. So that'll be playing the week before this. 
So those that are listening, if you haven't listened to that one, go back and you can get a little more foundation listening to that interview too. But I'm, I'm sure that I'm guilty of some of the misconceptions that are out there. But what are some of the biggest ones that you've come across and how do you address those when you do hear a misconception about Down syndrome? Oh, yes. So um, one of the most common, I would say, in the general public is that people with Down syndrome are always happy. Um, And uh, what I try to explain to people is that children with Down syndrome, people with Down syndrome have a full range of emotion. So they will be happy when they're happy and they will be sad when they're sad. And um, if anyone has ever met a person with Down syndrome, Yes, they tend to have a really live-in-the-moment attitude, which can be construed as being happy. But I think it's just uh, the fact that they are able, most are able to just be in the here and now. Um, But every child and adult that I've met with Down syndrome has every kind of emotion imaginable. So, um, and then another misconception is that there's, it's like a one-size-fits-all that, that, you know, if you have Down syndrome, it's going to affect everyone the same way. And having two children with Down syndrome, I can tell you firsthand that they are completely unique in their needs, their uh, abilities, their strengths, their struggles. Um, just like my typical boys are so unique. You know, I call it my neurotypical boys. So um, it is not a one-size-fits-all um, I kind of, it's, I would say it's similar to like the autism spectrum disorder. Like it, it, there's a spectrum and maybe speech is harder for some children and not hard for others. Maybe walking and mobility is hard for one child and it was not an issue with another. So, um, it's, it, I think it's important for people to remember that Down syndrome is, you know, it's trisomy 21, which is three copies of the 21st chromosome, but all 46 of the other chromosomes are mom and dad, so they're still going to be very much like their parents. Um, and how that extra chromosome is reflected is going to be different depending on the child. So it's a, ve- it's a very good point. Some children with Down syndrome are able to read and write, and, um, you know, I know some that drive a car, and, and then there's some that will never speak do not have the ability to hold a pencil. Um, so it's just, it's, you can't assume, basically the key is, you, what I try to tell people, don't make any assumptions of, of that you know what a child can or cannot do based solely on their diagnosis. Let them show you what they are capable of. Right. So in that, that kind of leads into my next question. Do you have any um, advice that you would give to parents of young children who have gotten a diagnosis of Down syndrome? Um, yes, yeah, so I... Tell any new parent that has just had a baby, um, first and foremost, congratulations. You're about to go on the most wonderful journey you never knew you needed or wanted. Um, So congratulations. Second of all, um, enjoy your baby for your baby. Do not overthink or start like going down the rabbit hole of what ifs. Just purely enjoy your baby. Um, having four children, I can tell you my children with Down syndrome were the most precious, enjoyable babies I've ever experienced. So enjoy that because the time is so short. Um, and then I would say treat them and 
be with them like you would be with any other child. Talk to them, love on them, give them experiences, give them opportunities, um, do the therapies. I do recommend doing those. Um, it can only help. Um, and just uh, believe, you know, believe that your child has value no matter what they are capable of, like that whole ableism issue, like do not assign value to whether or not they crawl at age two or walk at age three. Like just celebrate every small moment for what it is and and let them come on their own timeline. Nice. I like that. Can you share any resources or organizations that provided support for you or that you know of even that may have come into being after you needed them? that other families might want to look for in their community? Oh, absolutely. There's, we are so blessed in the Down syndrome community because you're going to find things on a local level and a regional level and a world level. So there's, I'll start globally. There's the global um, Down syndrome foundation. There's the national Down syndrome society. There's the national Down syndrome Con uh, Congress. There is Gigi's Playhouse. There is, um, Oh, gosh, there's the Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network, which is kind of like a mom support group that you get kind of connected with the same age kids. There is, then you go on a more local level, and you might find in your own, you know, district or region more local chapters of these groups. Or, for example, in our, in our neck of the woods, some moms have created their own support groups, so... A Google search is going to just give you a plethora of choices. And um, I would say to, again, a new mom, reach out when you're ready. Some moms need time, um, but they'll always be there. Um, and all of these organizations have new parent package or welcome packets. Um, many will get you connected with whatever you could possibly need or want. Um there's even one called Dear Mom that's more like supporting the mom and our journey as moms, not so much like clinical support or like Down syndrome related. It's more just like taking care of yourself because that's another thing, special needs moms. As we know, you and I, um, we give, 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 and it's really important to take care of yourself. So, you know, there's organizations that support the mom as well. Excellent, excellent. For those that um, that are watching or listening in the notes for this, we'll put as many of those links as we can, and we'll also add them to our resource page on the website so that if you're looking, you can at least get started with some of those links. So is Sophia nearby, or did she scoot off? So, Sophia, are you ready for some questions? So I wanted to ask you a few just getting to know you a little bit. So what grade are you in, in school right now? I'm an eighth grader. Okay, so you're an eighth grader, so you're about to move on to high school. Yes. Do you attend a local school, or do you go online or homeschool? I go in, in person because school is just my favorite thing to go with now. Excellent. And so since you go in person, you have some options. Are you involved in any of the clubs or sports at your school? Yes. Uh, I say sports, I'm at school right now. There's running, soccer, and basketball. You do all of those? 
Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm I'm impressed. So you're in school, you're doing all these sports. We know that you're an actress and all. What do you do in your free time? I go to a community theater for the Adams family. So is that a musical? It is. I sing and dance. Oh, fun. Well, I also find I like to get pictures. You do modeling. I do modeling. And I love doing modeling because I can try different outfits and selfies and pose. And so well, I've... I've seen some of your pictures on your Instagram. Do you take those yourself or does your mom take them for you? My mom does take me, but I help her. Yeah, well, it, 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 it's of you, so it makes sense to do that. So I want to I wanna talk to both of you a little bit about the new Hunger Games movie. Now, that's coming out in November, if I remember correctly. Yes. You want to talk about when it's coming out? It's coming out November 17th. November 17th. 2023. Wow, that's coming up pretty soon. Are you getting excited? I'm so excited. Yes, we don't know what. We, you know, we won't have seen the movie until you do, so it's very exciting. Right. And when we first connected, it was before you had just gotten the role, I think, or it was maybe before you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing from Jennifer and Sophia, who reminded us that Down syndrome is not scary and should be celebrated. In next week's episode, we will continue our conversation with Sophia, who is not only breaking down stereotypes, but also breaking into Hollywood as an actress with exciting projects, such as the new Hunger Games movie coming out this fall. And Jennifer will be sharing what her role is in Sophia's professional career. Stay tuned for the second part of this inspiring interview where we will learn more about Sophia's acting journey and other projects she's working on. Don't miss out. This podcast is made possible by support from our listeners. If you want to help offset the cost of producing the Water Prairie Chronicles, become a supporter at buymeacoffee.com slash waterprairie. You've been listening to the Water Prairie Chronicles, a podcast created to encourage and support parents of special needs children. If you found value in this episode, leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more listeners. I'm glad you were able to join us today and hope to see you back next week for another episode of the Water Prairie Chronicles.